uh, if you look at, I'm just, I'm going to read the second verse or second stanza, however they call it. Of course, the first one is amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Think about that. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Hold on. Second verse says this. Just the first part is profound. It says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." Do you remember when you really for the first time feared God's judgment, God's righteousness, God's holiness, and the reality of why Jesus Christ, God's Son, came into the world? Well, those moments of conviction, those moments of revelation was God's grace, right? You were dead in sin. See, the fact that you thought anything spiritually was amazing. It's amazing grace. And I love the rest of it. It says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." He convicted me, convicted you, and then He set us free. Amen? Amen. Folks, that's what, that's what grace does. You know, I kept thinking about uh, the ordinance this week, and, um, and I, I guess really for the first time I had thought um, about that, the two ordinances. And, and, you know, some of you may have been baptized twice, you know, Maybe you were sprinkled in a, a denomination that sprinkles, and of course, as a Baptist, we everybody is a member of this family's been immersed, so we ask you to follow that because we find that to be the biblical model. And maybe other people thought they were saved, got baptized, then really got saved and got baptized again. And I've even known people to be baptized for a third time, just to make sure, you know. Uh, but the Lord's Supper. Um, we do it seven t- just about seven times a year. And uh, we do it every eight to nine weeks, ten weeks, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more. You know, it doesn't say you have to do it every time you gather, but it says as often as you do it, you're doing it in remembrance of Him. But isn't it interesting that, that probably in, in my lifetime and your lifetime, about 200 times maybe, uh, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Uh, but yet we baptized one time. But it's both are ordained by the Lord Jesus that we're supposed to do as part of the church. And just the fact that we say it's the table of the Lord or the Lord's Supper, Lord's table, and He has instructed us how to do it, and and then He's invited us to come to that table. Uh, but it's a table of remembrance. See, that's the whole purpose, and what we're remembering is the significance of the humanity of Christ. Okay, uh, and the blood sacrifice of Christ. So, 
He reminded the disciples, Robbie read it, this is my body which is given for you. So much truth in that. And then he says, this is, this is the blood of a new covenant. And you got to think for about 1,600 years, uh, I was reading this week where in one Passover, one year, this is Jewish history, in one Passover, you know, this went on for 1,600 years, uh, in one Passover, uh, I forgot what year it was. I mean, it was maybe before Christ's birth. I can't remember. But they recorded 200,000 lambs were slain at Passover. Because they did the number, the, the guy, whoever the historian, Jewish historian had how many people registered. There was almost a million. And then they said, let's say four people per lamb. Anyway, so over, think about, Think about all the land. But not only that, think about thousands of, a thousand years, 1,500 years. Let's say 50,000 lambs a year for a thousand years. Bloodshed after bloodshed. And that's not counting the Day of Atonement when there'd be goats and bulls by the high priest who went into the... But, how, and, but Christ picks that feast where he's going to die. He's going to be the Passover lamb. And and for 2000 years he's asked the church. See, see this is an ordinance of the church. If you're not involved in the local church, you're not doing this. People that worship Charles I'm not worship Charles Stanley. I didn't mean to worship, but stay at home and watch Charles Stanley and that's their church and whatever. Others that they say they can stay home. Well, this is an ordinance of the church. Then if you're not going to the local church, you haven't observed and you haven't remembered like you should have. And, and I don't know, you know, now I, I, we don't believe it's a sacrament. Uh, there's all this debate about maybe sacrament doesn't mean anything, but some people believe that, that, uh, that it becomes something, you know, that it's not, that it becomes something, a sacrament. And we don't believe that. We do believe it is a table of remembrance. And I do know personally that God does things in my heart as I'm around the table, even before we get here, as I'm pondering the table and the elements. God does things in my mind and heart that normally He does not do. And I pray that He does that with you and in you today. I want to read to you uh, uh, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. uh, And I want to uh, pick up uh, in verse... uh, Sir, I want to start. It says, uh, let's pick up at verse uh, 13. Here's a popular verse. uh, How about verse 12? Uh, It says, Therefore let anyone who, who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless. And that's, that's the cup that Jesus had in the Passover when He instituted the Lord's Supper. Okay, And if you'll remember, the significance is, according to what we understand, is that it's three of four cups. It's the third of the four cups. Jesus didn't use the fourth cup They left the room, leaving it there. They took the third cup, and that's when he said, This is, you know, this is my blood. So it's the third cup. It's called the cup of blessing. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Is, Is it not us remembering that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin? Uh, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Uh, when I, you know, I think about the death angel, the first Passover, the little phrase when God says, "When I see the blood, I will pass over." So we apply the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a blessing, but we participate in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break. Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So we, we're remembering the incarnate Christ, a literal man who was punished, who bore our punishment. But He did more than that. He fulfilled our obedience. He was a man. The God-man, but He was a man and he, He was punished for our iniquities. On Him, God laid the chastisement of everybody that's going to be saved. He punished Jesus as if Jesus were me and Jesus bore my punishment. We're going to sing about this in a minute. And no, it's not in your bulletin. But He, he, he bore as a man, my punishment. And then as a man, he was perfectly obedient. I'm remembering that. His body broken. His blood shed. But look, look where Paul's going with this. He says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The, the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread... And who is that bread? Christ. Jesus Himself said in John 6, after He fed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch, had some fishes and some bread, after that, He tells those that track Him down, oh, you're following Me because your bellies were full and food's a big deal. Having your next meal's a big deal. That's why you're over here all the way on the other side of the Sea of Galilee because you want another meal. But then he says, I'm the bread of life that came down out of heaven. 
And then he mentions what happened in the Old Testament, if you remember, after the Exodus, after the Passover, the children of Israel go into the promise, or they end up wandering in the wilderness. But the second or third day of their wandering, what does God do? He gives them bread from heaven. The word manna is heavenly bread. But now Christ says, that was really a picture of me. I'm the bread of life. And I've come down. And, and so He takes bread and said, this is my body. Because there's something Christ is going to do that we're going to feed off of for literally the rest of our lives. But, but there's, one, there's one bread. That's what He says in verse 7. So, if there, that we're, so then He says, we who are many are one body. Okay? For we all partake of the one bread. This is why the Bible calls us to unity. Okay? Because we're all one in the sense that we're... Man should not live by bread alone, but by the Word. All of us feed off the Word. All of us have life because of Christ. He had, all of us have, have, have been saved and exist as believers because of what Christ has done. So we're all one. That's what he's saying. We have so much in common. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar. What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. And then he says this. Now think about this. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Folks, your loyalty, your devotion, if you're losing your life to follow idols, ultimately it's not idols, it's demonic. There's demons behind these idols that people worship, sometimes that we worship. What pagan sacrifice over to demons and not God. I do not want you to be a participant with the demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Then Paul ends by saying this in this context. Are we stronger than he is? Are we going to actually provoke the Lord? Just for a second, I want you to go back to where we've been for several weeks. Go back to Ephesians 1 just for a second. Robbie, do you have the time? Can you bring me a timepiece if you don't mind? 11.15. That's good. Uh, I'm in... I'm in Ephesians 1. I just want to show you something here. And um, that, to me, this is, uh, this is just profound stuff to think about. And what I did, and I don't have time to, to put it all together, but um, when we think of what Christ did, I'm using the acrostic son, S-O-N. And what I want you to think about, okay, we're, we're here because of the Son of God, so I'm going to use the Son, S-O-N, as ways that we can honor the table of the Lord, okay, and why we come to the table. But before I do that, I want you to see, 
And it's not that Paul's mentioning specifically the Lord's Supper, but he is mentioning uh, what the Lord's Supper reminds us of in Ephesians 1. I'm going to pick up at verse... uh, I want to pick up at verse 19. Well, I tell you what, let's pick up... uh, Pick up at verse 17, okay? And then I won't give you these three, the S-O-N, just three things to think about when we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. And and we're going to do that around a song, and, and we'll take the elements. It says in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, Then he tells us that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet. Remember that picture there. He put all things under His feet. And gave Him His head over all things to the church. Profound statement. It's about the church. Then He says what we just sang a while ago. Which is His body. And then then He says... We may visit this at some point down the road. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. The fullness of Him. Talking about Christ who fills all in all. That this Christ who is everything about salvation that has secured, resurrected from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father. The Bible says He's at the right hand given all authority that He's been given to the church. He's head of the church. But the fullness, I think about the fullness of Christ. All the things that Christ filled up, the fullness of Christ, in order for me to be saved. Uh, I don't know why, and I don't know how, but this is what Christ did. Do you remember what happened when Christ was basically it started at nine in the morning and at noon at twelve? I think the Bible calls it the sixth hour. What happened at the sixth hour? It got dark. There's a song called Midnight in the Middle of the Day. But it at noonday it became dark as night. And scholars talk about this. I mean, I read some articles this week about the, the, the Christ bearing 
the guilt of sin and the darkness on the earth. Now, I don't know all the reasons why it was dark in the middle of the day, but I am thinking, I could be wrong, that the Father veiled the Son, His Son, as Christ bore the punishment, the physical punishment for your sin and my sin. Think about that. Whatever agony and punishment I deserved, Christ bore that. And I think... And and do you remember what happened at the end of the darkness? What Jesus said... He made seven statements from the cross. About the fourth one was when He got at the end of the three hours of darkness. He said, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? And so it seems like at the end of that three hours of darkness, God had laid on Him... Some as the, the iniquity of us all. And He bore our guilt. He bore our punishment. And now think about this. How could a man, a God-man, pay the price for everybody who would ever be saved in three hours? It tells you how righteous Christ was. It tells you how perfect Christ was. That in three hours, He not only paid my sin debt, He paid your sin debt. That's why we come to the table. Because Christ, when He says the fullness of Christ, He paid the sin debt for me, and that's what I remember. And He did that by His broken body, and He did that by shed blood. When I think of Son, just three things. I think of His substitute, right? He was my substitute, right? Uh, Because the wages of sin is death. Right? We're all sinners, and then the wages of sin is death. So Christ took, He was our substitute. We might even say, you might use two S's, you could say sacrifice and substitute. But Christ was our substitute. He bore our punishment. That's the S. The O is for obedience. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about all that Christ did, and I, I can't take all the time in the world to, to go over this. Think, let me, I'll read it quick. Think, this is what Christ did quickly. These are all doctrines that the Bible teaches. He, he set me free by paying my payment. He redeemed me is what the Bible says. So in His obedience, he was able, through His perfect life, He was able to pay for my sin. He redeemed me. The doctrine of redemption, this little definition I have says, freedom by way of a payment, a spiritual ransom that eternally delivers sinners from the bondage of sin and death, to purchase a slave from the marketplace. Christ paid the price to redeem me from my sin. And He did that by a sacrifice, but He also did that because He was perfect. He was obedient to God's law, and He was able to pay for my sin. Uh, The act of regeneration. It says, an act of God whereby the Holy Spirit imparts to the believer a new birth that includes a new heart, a new nature, and a pure life. Well, that was applied to me because Jesus... God applied to me the life of Christ. Christ was perfect. And now He's applied His history 
to me and I've been born again. The Bible talks about forbearance. The Bible talks about justification by faith. All of those are true because Christ died for our sins. Now, S-O-N, quickly. It's about a substitute. It's about obedience. And then the end, I had a hard time finding the end. But I found a verse that Jesus said, the end is for necessary. And, and I'll be brief. On the road to Emmaus, after the resurrection, the two guys were talking, and you know the story. And Jesus walks up and is talking to them, and they're freaking out because the word is Jesus has been resurrected and all that, and they don't believe it. And Jesus says to them, I'm paraphrasing, He, he says to these two men walking, was it not necessary that the Son of God would come and die and rise again from the dead? He used the word, was it not necessary? And, and was it necessary? Was it? Yes, it was. So when we think about the observance of the Lord's Supper, I want you to think about Son. Christ is our substitute. Christ is our obedience. And Christ came because it was necessary for us to have a substitute, somebody to be obedient in our place. Now, I love the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Okay? Now, it's okay. We can stand. Let's stand together. And we're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us. We'll sing all the verses. You have it on the screen. It's about the Lord's Supper. We can apply it to the Lord's Supper. We're going to sing it together.
Amen? Amen. That's awesome. You can be seated. I'm going to invite our men to come and this is going to serve today. While they're coming, you think about, this is out of Hebrews. I'm just going to make some statements. Jesus Christ is Son of the living God. Now think about this. Jesus made it all. Jesus is the exact image of God the Father. Jesus sustains all things. Jesus outranks the angels. Jesus controls nature. Jesus controlled sickness and the weather. He outlasts heaven and earth because He says He's the Alpha and the Omega. As a preschooler, He terrified a king. As a teenager, He schooled scholars. And He, the King of all kings and Lord of all lords, purged our sins and has been seated at the right hand of the Father for the past 2,000 years. And He invites us to remember. Let's remember Him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that like the Apostle Paul, that that God forbid that we would boast in in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank You for the the God-man, the incarnate God who became flesh, God became man and perfectly lived a life, but then became a lamb without blemish. And through His death, I have life. God, thank You. Thank You for the broken body and the blood atonement. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to let you remain seated. We're going to serve you the bread, and then we'll come right behind that and serve you the the cup. So you remain seated, and then we'll all stand together and uh, and take the take the elements together. You can serve. Thank you, guys. about, you know, it says about the law. Everybody kept trying to obey the law. And the Bible says, by the law, no flesh shall be justified. 
But now there's a new righteousness. Not by trying to obey the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. A real human being that came here as the God-man and died died for our sins. I'll serve both when we get back. Thank you. Thank you, man, for serving. I appreciate this. You can serve. Go ahead. Thank you. As they're passing the cup, I, years ago I had a staph infection and uh, blood got in my blood, and many of you weren't even here but I had to stay in the hospital over in Georgia a long time and and uh, took I stayed on antibiotics to get that for a year I had two different antibiotics I had to stay on and for a long time I had to be on a pump but all that was to cleanse my blood but the Bible says that the blood of Christ has been cleansing sin for 2,000 years I love that nothing but the blood of Jesus right what can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And without the shedding of it, there's no life. Because life is, you know, it's God's design. Life of the flesh is in the blood. And then He says, I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement. Christ is our atoning sacrifice. To make atonement, He bought us through the blood sacrifice. Paid that sin debt. Obedience, sacrifice. That's why Jesus Christ, I don't know if you think about that. Jesus Christ died. Jesus, Savior. Christ, the Anointed One, you know. but you'll forgive me for doing it backwards. Thank you. I'm sorry. That's enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Y'all be seated. Thank you, guys. 
Stand with me. Let's stand together. Let's do all the blood. Just Walter, all the blood, acapella. The blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus washes wide the cross. Oh, the cross of Jesus. Death brings life to me. I'm reading out of Romans 3. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets talk about it or bear witness about it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now here's whom God put forth as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness Because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. We don't think about this, but the life and the death of Christ also covered the sin debt of the saints of the Old Testament. God had left those not paid for yet. See, the the bulls and all that covered them. Jesus took them away. That's how we're justified by faith. It's as if we never sinned. Justified. Just as if we had never sinned. Isn't that amazing? Because we have His perfect history and He shed His blood to pay for our sins. Isn't that awesome? Well, on the night Jesus was betrayed, He he took the bread and after giving thanks, he, He said, this is My body which is broken for you. And then this cup, the cup of blessing. Think about all the blessings that we've talked about having because of what Christ has done. You'll see it, I have it in the bulletin. It talks about the, and Robbie read it, it's a blood covenant. He says it's a new covenant in my blood. Without the shedding of blood, you can't be forgiven. But Christ shed His blood I think about the piercing of the... John is the only one who has it, but when they pierced his side, and some scholars believe it was the last bit of blood that was in his body, came out. And so we might say that he gave all his blood. He shed his blood. And he's been saving sinners for 2,000 years by the blood. He said this is the blood of the new covenant. God is so good, God is so good, 
God is so good. He's so good to He saved my soul. He saved my soul, did He? He saved my soul. He saved my soul. He's so good to me. God bless you. Have a good afternoon.